David Kerr of the Chicago Tribune says the first movie in this series skims along agreeable surfaces, expertly balancing its comedy with melodrama and fulfilling expectations right on schedule. About its sequel, Roger Ebert of the Chicago Sun-Times said the humor is so predictable, forced, and awkward that the actors sometimes seem like helpless bystanders. And about the third film in this series, Variety's Daniel M. Kimmel says the movie won't set any box office records, but it's an amusing film in its own right. On this episode of Ruined Childhoods, we decide the fate of Major League. Which one will it be? Greetings, Starfighters. Welcome to Ruined Childhoods. It's your old pal Dan here from the house that I have barely left in the last month. John, how are you? I'm doing okay. I'm also in my home, which I've barely left in the past month. Went for a beautiful walk today. So there's that. Very nice. Very nice. Very nice. For some reason, I woke up this... Well, all right. So I'm going to trust that my six-year-old isn't listening to this. Uh, I woke up at 5.30 this morning to to plant the... the Easter. We're recording this on, oh. on Easter on April 12th, and I went out and hid all of the various eggs and chocolates all around the yard and attempted to get it all done before she woke up, which I could not have gotten up a moment too soon. Um, really? It seemed like it, it felt like as soon as I came back in like within 10 minutes of coming back inside she was up wow and of course you know she was ready to go she is an enthusiastic child to say the least (laughs) at all hours oh my so we are not an easter celebrating family but yesterday in an act of desperation of just like wanting to keep my child busy i put on the movie hop and oh uh, nice you know james marsden certainly does a serviceable job we turned it off probably about halfway through just because it was like i don't feel like having to explain easter to her right now oh is it did you really have to easter bunny so yeah but i mean but but do you have to explain easter no not the like he hath risen type stuff there's there's nothing because unless there is in the back half I know I haven't I haven't seen it. I don't I'm pretty sure there there isn't. Um my my daughter Chloe could explain that as she does uh, attend a Catholic school. Right. Uh I did ask Chloe this question because and I and I asked so my wife grew up Catholic and I asked her this question because I was thinking about it and I was like I've never heard this part of the story so I want to know what happened when he came, he rose. What happened when he came back? What did he do? Normally, when you have someone coming back from the dead, it's they're going to avenge right. something. And he had plenty to avenge. But you don't hear about that. You're not like, Jesus I don't think he was so much of a vengeful guy. 
But did he just come back and was just like, I just did this so y'all know I can do this. And then... Well, it wasn't too long ago and everybody out there right now who does know is probably screaming at us right now. But... No, please email us. I'm, I am, I'm sorry. It sounds like I'm joking, but I seriously want to know... What, what I mean, not what would Jesus do? What did Jesus do? He he rose from the grave. I think there was a cave involved. And... Well, what I want to know is, so Jesus came back, and your to pile on your question of, and then what? My question is like, so then did he like die again? Because like, or is it just kind of like he is then here everywhere spiritually? Is that, oh, maybe that's what it, John, you might have answered it. Maybe he didn't actually physically rise because maybe, because that, you know, your answer kind of jibes more with the whole idea of, you know, religion. Sure. Otherwise. Yeah. I don't don't know. But yes, if you do want to Easter-splain us, please, ruinchildhoodspod at gmail.com. Christ-splain? I don't know. Yeah. Jesus-splain? Yeah. We don't know. We're not going to Google it. We want you to just crowdsource this information. They so, don't teach you that in Hebrew school. Yeah. So she was, your daughter Chloe's very excited this morning. So I have to know, does she know that, and for any of our younger listeners, I'm sorry, but that there's no Easter bunny? Um, by the way, if you're listening to a podcast all about the R-rated movie Major League, your your innocence has been sullied already. So listen, baseball uh, fans, I know that that's why you're listening to this. Sorry. Anyway, no. Look, the Easter Bunny is in many ways a, ma- a mascot, much like you know the the Cleveland Indians mascot or the Philly fanatic or any other Mister Met who's just like a a walking baseball. Yeah, baseball head guy. Yeah, I guess baseball mascots are really kind of, they're they're weird, but that's another tangent for another time or just later in the episode. Right. But yeah, so uh, no, I mean, well, there's the Easter Bunny and then also in Dutch tradition, because my wife is Belgian, there is the Pasklok, Pasklok, and I'm pretty sure it's a clock that travels for Easter and the pas clock leaves, you know, pause, pause, like the pause right. Easter eggs. Yeah. Uh, and so she believes in both the pas clock and the Easter bunny. Gotcha. Okay. So, so if she gonna... was to listen to this podcast, this episode, her childhood would be ruined by her uncle. John. Yes. Oh, well, and her own father. Well, well, I kicked off the, the Easter Bunny issue. is your father, Chloe. Oh boy! So yes, you mentioned she just finds me in a big Easter Bunny helmet, and yeah, no, yes. Uh, you mentioned that we're talking about Major League on this on this episode. We decided to do this because we recently passed what would have been opening day of the baseball season had it not yeah. been uh, put on hold in lieu of the global pandemic. As good a reason as any to uh, put a hold. On major league sports, yeah, and you know what's well, okay. There's a lot of there's a lot of ways to go about this, but I'm just gonna say what's kind of funny is I was even considering several months ago getting into baseball this season. 
I was like, I wouldn't <laughs> mind like to have that thing that's like I check in on every now and then and like I follow what's going on and I am rooting for a team. And uh, I live in Portland, Oregon. We don't have a baseball team. We're working on it, but we don't have one. <laughs> So I think I would probably go with one of the cities I've lived in before, maybe the Dodgers uh, or the aforementioned Phillies. But I would here we are. I man, f- this was going to be the year. This was, and for those of you who don't it's know, canceled. John, John, and I are not necessarily sports fans. We casually enjoy. I can hang the sports. John, okay, John is more of a sports fan because he married into it. <laughs> oh, okay, right. I married into. Somebody who appreciates the Oregon Ducks college football team. Uh, they are a lot of fun to watch. Living in Portland, the Portland Trailblazers are a thing. Uh, we've been to a bunch of games, not anytime recently since we had our kid, really. And uh, there's also Portland is a very big soccer town. We've got the Timbers. Mm. And then there's the Thorns. Timbers are men and Thorns are women. I know Seattle has a very similar. Oh, yeah. Well, Seattle's got fan Seattle's. Oh, yeah. The Sounders and the, uh, I want to say the Rain, which is the t- Megan Rapino right. uh, yeah. team that she plays for. So, yeah. Oh, Seattle is a big, big soccer town. We have a baseball team. We're de- we're more of a big football town. Like, that's the first thing when you move to right. Seattle, you're like, damn, I need to get a, a Seahawk. I need a Seahawk shirt. I need something right. that I can wear on Fridays when everybody else in the city is wearing their Seahawks gear. Right. And Mariners, uh, not so much. Yeah. You know, uh, we're going to come back. We're going to come back to that. We're going to come back to that. Oh, yeah. Yes. Uh, yes. So our, our sports fandom, I mean, if we want to go back to childhood, uh, I, I should mention, you know, Dan, you were a big Steve Garvey fan, at least one Halloween. I was a big Steve Garvey fan in the fall of 1987 when his baseball card was perhaps the <laughs> easiest for our mother to adapt into a, although, I mean, it's a challenge no matter what. That was an amazing costume. Uh, when I was the Steve Garvey uh, 1987 Don Russ card oh i believe God. it was the don russ card and i do still have i so and this is where i'm going to put myself out as a baseball fan because in the mid to late 80s i was a big baseball fan and followed the new york mets and l- like they won when they won the world series i i remember that and i met howard johnson at okay. an autograph signing in westfield new jersey i well, remember it very well I want to give a, on the note of the 1986 Mets, I want to give a shout out in case he's listening to my buddy, DJ Carter, whose father uh, was the, the late Gary Carter. Pour, Pour one, one out. out, man, for Gary Carter. Uh, Jeez, I one of the did best. Have, I did have the luxury, the joy of attending a a minor league. It was like a triple A league uh, baseball game for a team that he was coaching maybe a few years before he passed away. So that was fun. Man, it, really nice to I meet always, him. I always remember hearing that he was just like one of those genuinely gr- good guys in the game. Yeah, I remember sure. hearing like no one ever had a bad thing to say about Gary Carter. I loved the Mets. Mm-hmm. And and actually, you know, I do. it's a close, I have a close, even though I don't necessarily follow baseball closely anymore, 
I do feel I in fact I have a Mets cap sitting oh, hanging yeah. there right, you go. <laughs> right in front of me. And uh in fact the last no, not the last professional baseball game I went to see, but uh, in 2015, fall of 2015, the Mets had made it to the playoffs. Or the Met, the Mets right. had made yeah. it to sorry, the World Series. Not the yeah. they made it to the playoffs and then they made it to the World Series. And that was also the fall that uh, and we were living in New York at the time, but my wife had been in uh, a rounds and rounds of interviews for a job here in Seattle, which spoiler alert, she got. And when we told uh, my parents and John's John's parents, one and the same. Yeah, we've got the, the same, same parents. Yes, we do. Uh, and we told told them that we were going to be moving to Seattle and dad got out his got out his phone and got us world series tickets yeah for it was halloween it was like it was a cool night to go to the world series cuz i'm taking the subway in new york and right. you know you're only seeing everyone all all geared up for halloween and it they did not win the game, nor did they win the World Series, but it didn't matter. And like that it's was cool kind of go. like it was one of the last things I did before we moved from New York was see the New York Mets play in the World Series, which does not happen very often. Yeah. <laughs> much, much like the Cleveland Indians of 1989 sure. Major League. Yeah. Uh... Oh, What? I'm sorry. I'm sorry, John. I feel like I'm rambling, but I have a one more thing. Ooh, what's your one more thing? For seconds. Yeah. And I want, I didn't know if you had a one more thing. I've got a one more thing for seconds. And that goes uh, under the category of potential uh, filmmakers. And also I want to cite out, want to cite uh, French Fry Phil's comment on Instagram where he suggested a Robert Pattinson oh. in a potential remake, which I'm like, oh, interesting. And and that um Well, Robert you know, Pattinson's been doing some really interesting stuff lately. I mean, with the lighthouse especially. And Yes. Yeah. So and then but my thought, because I decided to check out Devs on Hulu. Okay. And within the first five minutes, I was like, why did neither of us mention Alex Garland as a hmm. potential director of a seconds remake? Right. That would like, have been a, just that would the, be a good one. He is so good at building that tension and psychology and really playing with the psyche and the mind. Uh -huh. Um you know, manipulation and, and power and struggles and things like that. It's very much themes of, of his. Also, technology, which certainly Seconds is dealing with. So that was my one more thing for Seconds. Alex Garland. Alex Garland. So, Dan, I don't know if you listened to the uh, the episode after it went out. Did you? Uh, it's parts. I've heard some. Okay. So... If you listen to the end of the episode, so uh, for anybody new to the show, at the end of each episode, I like to tack on a song that in some way relates to the uh, the movie that we're talking about. It could be something really on the nose, um, or it could be something a little bit more out there. And for this one, it's a little bit more out there. And I'd be curious to know if anybody got what it was. It is a performance 
I don't know exactly what this is from, but it is Rock Hudson and B. Arthur performing a song called Sniff Swig Puff about recreational drugs and alcohol. <laughs> and it is a trip. It is wow. absolutely phenomenal. And I recommend okay. not just listening to it, but go on YouTube and watch them performing it. It's really delightful. It's two oh. legends just like singing a song like in the 70s about, you know, blow and weed. It's great. I'll do respect to Rock Hudson, but you could just tell me it was B. Arthur singing it. and Right, I, but the two of them combined yeah. makes it even oh, better. That's fantastic. And no, yeah, I haven't li- listened all the way through our, our, our last episode. I, I, usually, I usually give it a few weeks so that it's not as fresh in my mind. <laughs> I suggest to anybody, if you are listening to an episode and you get to a point where, I'm just, where you're just like, eh, I don't feel like finishing this one, just skip to the end. Skip and to the end. To, and listen to the, the final song. Uh, I promise you it'll be at least a little bit enjoyable. Uh, I I always try to make sure that that part is pretty decent. It all, Yeah, it is. It is. There's always a nice treat at the end. Yeah, for seconds, it's hard because it's not like there's a lot of people writing songs about the movie Seconds or, or like referencing it in like some rap or something. So... This one had to just be a Rock Hudson tune. I just had, it just popped into my mind, but like, because the music for Tootsie was so signature uh-huh. and you have like the theme from from Tootsie, like the doing it the best, like that 80s oh, yeah. yacht rock style. And I was just imagining that for seconds. Sometimes I wake up, I'm Tony. <laughs> and sometimes I fall down, I'm Arthur. I don't know, like... So on this episode, we are talking about Major League. I'm going to launch into, I I just wrote out a synopsis for the first two movies. I did not go back to the minors. Dan, did you watch Back to the Minors? No, I did not. Okay. I did not make it back to the minors. I did. Okay. So this is your disclaimer that like, we're not going to talk about it aside from maybe just like a a quick sentence or two so without any further ado major league 1989 written and directed by david s ward rachel phelps a former las vegas performer inherits the racistly named cleveland indians and plans to put together the worst team in baseball so she can move the team to miami after loading it up with ex-cons has-beens and eccentrics there's no way they can win And after finding out about her plan, the team decides there's only one thing that they can do, win it all. And despite all the odds, that's exactly what they do. Tom Berenger plays Jake Taylor, a pro catcher with bum knees who has a shot at one final season. He's also vying for the attention of his librarian ex-girlfriend Lynn, played by Renee Russo. You can tell she's a librarian because her vanity license plate says, read. Charlie Sheen plays Rick Wild Thing Vaughn, an ex-con with a mean fastball, but very little control. Once he puts on a pair of glasses, he can see clearly, except when it comes to a sexual exploit with a woman who turns out to be the wife of his teammate, Roger Dorn. Corbin Burnson plays Roger Dorn, a wealthy, cocky, and slimy third baseman who's a few years past his prime. Also on the team is Willie Mays Hayes, portrayed by Wesley Snipes, another cocky hotshot who has a talent for stolen bases. 
And let's not forget another racist aspect of Major League, Dennis Haysbert's portrayal of Pedro Serrano, a powerful hitter whose strength is derived from his idol, Joe Boo. And when I say idol, I mean a literal idol. But the real star of the show is alcoholic Indians announcer Harry Doyle, played by former baseball player turned Brewers announcer, turned wrestling announcer, turned Mr. Belvedere actor Bob Euchre. And that's what I've got for the first Major League movie. <laughs> I have to say, Bob Euchre is the best part of these movies. He's so funny. I, he- He's easily the best part of the second one. Of the second one, for sure. All debatable, and I'll get to that in a second. But oh. he's so good. He's so good. A lot of his lines were improvised. He's completely believable as an announcer because he used to be one. Well, yeah. Yeah. Uh, he's he's also the father on Mr. Belvedere, which is, I think, why he was cast. I think like, well, that he was, was ca- yeah, be- that and cast. Uh, the Miller Lite ads that he was in. Uh, also, oh, copy right. eye yeah. of David S. Ward, uh, and Who, by ear, the way, because of his voice. And by the way, David S. Ward does have some uh, exceptional credits to his name. This guy wrote or co-wrote The Sting, yeah, and which, The Sting too, and this. Well, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> to a lesser extent. I'll be honest, I've never seen this thing too, and really have no desire to. Um, but he uh, also Sleepless in Seattle, mm-hmm. King Ralph. Uh, King Ralph. Down Periscope program, for what it's worth. Well, he directed, he directed Down Periscope. Down, Down Periscope, yeah. Yeah. And and the program, which I remember enjoying that. I remember I when I that ever came saw out. That, was, one. that was the one where the football players would lie down in the middle of the highway. And then, like, it was one of the, it was like a stupid internet challenge before there were stupid internet challenges where you'd get, like, kids on college and high school football teams who were like, yeah, no, let's go do that. Let's go lie down in the middle of the highway because, you know, real life is like the movies and we won't get run over. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's one that I'm sure to probably not check out. That's not bad. James Caan is in it. Okay. Craig okay. Sheffer. All right. Yeah. I, I right. actually think Omar Epps. I mean, if I remember, is it Omar Epps who's in it? I think Omar Epps yeah. who, who so, takes over. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so just to, to talk a little bit more about Major League, um, Tom Berenger is, uh, you know, his character, Jake Taylor, is kind of the anchor character from the team. They focus more on his relationship with Lynn, Rene Russo's character, who's, Rene Russo's so good. She's just she's, so good. She's great, yeah. Uh, I I guess, how, I, I though, and I'm watching it and I'm like, I love Rene Russo. I'm, so, I'm such a big fan of hers. I think, um, I mean, this is the first thing I saw her in, but I, Lethal Weapon 3 was probably yeah. the first time that she, I was really like, oh, damn, Rene Russo's fucking awesome. Yeah, she's great. Um, and, but it, I just, I wonder how necessary, and, and it, there's some great scenes, like the scene when he kind of ends up at that dinner party. Right. Or that little so like awkward. dinner party, and it's really awkward. But I I kept watching, and I was like, how necessary is this? Well, there needs there needed to be some sort of like emotional hook in this movie, like humanizing the characters a little bit more, uh, really highlighting 
especially for the Jake Taylor character, you know, it's this guy who used to be a really good ball player, but now is like at the end and is just kind of struggling for relevance. And I is looking back at his life and thinking like, I really messed up and neglected some important things. And this is him trying to get a little piece of that back with this person who he loves, um, Rene Russo's character. And I guess the other question I have about that subplot is had they established that Jake had Jake played in Cleveland before? Because I didn't think that I think that I didn't think he was from Cleveland. I think that maybe and this is probably like from like one line in there that he did at one point. And that's when he and Lynn were together and then maybe went and played somewhere else. And like, I don't know, started a whole new life. I mean, he's in what Mexico when. Yeah, that's right. At the beginning of the movie. Yeah. Excuse me, Miss Westland, there's a telephone call for you at the desk. Okay, thank you. That's strange. I'll be right back. Hello? Hello, Lynn. It's Jake. Jake? Jake Taylor? Uh-huh. How'd you know I was here? Uh, just a hunch. I took you there when you got your master's degree, remember? I figured you're wearing that black dress with a red sash. How'd you know that? I didn't even have this dress in. You're still a stunner. Thanks. What are you doing here? Aren't you supposed to be in Mexico somewhere? Well, I'm playing with the Indians again, back in the bigs. Well, that's great. That's that's great. Do you think I'm happy for you? Lynn, I don't think he's going to buy the phone bit now. I, uh, I got to get back. Wait a minute. I need your number. I tried calling you at home, but you're not listed. My life is different from when you knew me, Jake. Meaning what? I don't know you anymore? Couldn't we talk about this some other time? I really got to get back. Okay, just give me the number. I don't think that's a good idea. Why? Because this guy you're with, what is he, an accountant? Attorney. Oh, worse. Please, he's watching us. I'm not leaving till you give me your number. All right, it's 555-1934. Thank you. Lynn. I'm back. I can be around. I was thinking about that storyline and I was just... I was wondering uh, during those scenes as much as I thought they were nice. And I, it, Tom Berenger is always such like a, a stoic, like I feel yeah. like Tom Berenger gets paid extra to smile. <laughs> like I remember, I remember like I used to watch a Tom Berenger movie and sometimes count the number of times he would, he would smile. And so Tom, Tom Berenger, I, I believe that he started off more of like, you know, a hunky, leading role and then for a while like i guess in the 90s he was doing more of the like weird action movies like sniper i believe sniper with billy zane billy zane movie love billy zane and sniper's not a bad flick if i remember correctly and as far as i know he kind of disappeared a little bit or 
dipped down a little bit. And then he was in Inception. He's been, I think mm-hmm. he was may have been in some more Christopher Nolan movies. But like, I remember seeing him in Inception and being like, oh my God, that's Tom Berenger. Tom Berenger. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, well, he was in Platoon. Platoon. Well, Platoon. Which I'm pretty sure he was nominated for an Oscar for that. I, yeah. Was he in The Big Chill? I don't remember him in The Big Chill. I'm I just don't not think so. Oh, he did. He did the substitute, right? The substitute. I think there's a few of those substitute movies, right? Yeah, but I think Treat Williams. Oh, yeah, he was in the Big Chill. Oh, there he you plays. Go. He he plays like the. Uh, he's like a TV star. Oh yes, okay. He's like that T.J. Right. Hooker type yeah. show. Uh, so he's great. Uh, Corbin Burnson does a really good job in these just playing the like smarmy douche uh who you just really want funny. to see fall on his face and in well, the second movie get hit by a ball and see his wife get banged by charlie sheen yeah uh charlie sheen is great as rick wild thing one i mean it's a character that like is so iconic <laughs> and it's just so so much fun um yeah there's a big it's difference perfect be- for charlie sheen it's Right, and it's like you watch him play that character in the first movie, and you're like, he he really does slip into like he just falls into that character, like it doesn't seem so much like he's he's not like overacting a whole bunch. Whereas in the second one, which we'll talk about soon, I feel like he was a little bit more over the top, and l- he lost his edge a little bit. Which is exactly right. well, fitting for the character. So the point of the movie. Yeah. Well, yes, but like even Charlie Sheen himself just seems like he's like a little doughier and I don't know. He just doesn't No, the eighties it's oh yeah. and there it's a platoon reunion. All we're missing is there Willem Dafoe. All we are missing is Willem Dafoe, Dan. That's it. <laughs> All so. you need is Willem Dafoe. Wesley Snipes, so good. Love Wesley Snipes. So in good. general, I love Wesley Snipes. I love Wesley Snipes in this movie. He's a treat. I, I really enjoy him. Uh, and I did mention that Dennis Haysbert's character, it's a very, it's a bit of a racist portrayal because it's it's making a mockery of like voodoo. And, voodoo and like, I guess like, like Caribbean culture. Yeah. It's and yeah, it's because I they don't even specify what his nationality or ethnicity is. Like, is he Dominican? I always assumed he's Dominican, but I they never say. Yeah, Um, no. Uh, Dennis Haysbert though plays the role really great. Oh yeah, it's just the role itself is a little icky. Yeah, but you know what's what's interesting? What I noticed and. Because not having seen it in a few, and it's this major league is a movie I go back to every few years, mm-hmm. especially around baseball season. And watching, watching it again, I was thinking about kind of the that in the 1980s, both in sports movies and in sports itself, the casual racism, homophobia, yeah. things like that. And I think that that major league could have very easily gone much further with that with the characters. Now the script, the writing, yes, it plays on the stereotypes, right. but you don't like the uh, Eddie Harris, the character played by uh, Chelsea Ross, mm-hmm. 
even though he is, he, he's got like he starts some static with with Serrano. Right, it's not he's about Christian. Yeah, it's not yeah. about anything other than just. I mean, it's one of the best, <laughs> one of the best uh, lines in the movie. Are you trying to tell me Jesus Christ couldn't hit a curveball? <laughs> yeah, he, and it's a that's a totally fine character. I didn't mention him just because he's kind of like close to being a, an ancillary character, just kind of like. But but he, he's got he this comes great in and transition. serves a purpose. True. Yeah. But I, he he comes around. That's the thing is like he is always he's and that character could have gotten uh, homophobic. Like I was because I couldn't remember. I was like, does he does he drop an F.A.G. bomb on on Charlie Sheen at some point? And other than making fun of his hair, like making fun of him more is like, hey, you whippersnapper. Right. He He doesn't go there and. I couldn't remember, and I was wondering. I was like, "Are we going to hear? Is there going to be any of that casual racism in the characters?" And I have to say, like, I I was a, a pleasantly surprised slash impressed. Like, think about a movie like The Bad News Bears. Totally, fifteen years before this, but and fifteen I mean, year old kids. Geez, you got one line alone that you know blows the lid off it. <laughs> It, yeah, it's it's bad. And yeah. the things that bump me in terms of the racism in this, there's, of course, Serrano's character and the way it, I don't know, He's there's buffoonery around a culture that, to my knowledge, Dennis Haysbert is not a representative of. Um, right. So there's that. And uh, I mean, also just the Cleveland Indians. Uh, it's a very problematic baseball team name. And their mascot representative, Wahoo, whatever you want to uh, call Wahoo, it's oh extremely problematic. There are, I can't remember if it was the first one or the second one, but there's people with signs in the crowd that say Injin. And it's... It's icky. It's bad. I think the second the second one is I found to be more offensive or just more more like a tactless. Well, let's than talk about the second the first one. one. Well, I, uh, sorry, I just wanted to point out a couple of uh, a, a couple of things, a couple of observations I had while watching while watching the original. And first of all, it moment that i love that i never noticed before is when when harris is about to say his prayer and like no one's into it and he's trying oh, to get he's, yeah. he's like mom singing dianu at the <laughs> on the virtual seder love you mom um i love how right before he starts the prayer dorn farts in his face as he walks out i never noticed it it's before so but i see him fanning his ass yeah and then and also, I and another thing I was thinking about was uh, when Taylor is doing his, you know, little fantasy home run thing in the empty stadium and you watch him running the bases. Yeah. I was like, oh, shit, this is what baseball would look like if it were played. Ooh, that's dark. No, I was but I was thinking about I was like, oh, this I mean, because I also I've been watching some some pro wrestling. It was WrestleMania yeah. last weekend and it was they they pre-taped 
match some some matches which at which actually worked to their advantage in a lot of ways because they had a couple of matches that were more cinematic and uh-huh. were more storytelling and then but the, they had matches in an empty arena and if there's i mean sports without a crowd <laughs> is is definitely different pro wrestling it's like the crowd is a participant yeah so, so very eerie what i'm wondering about that and maybe you can answer this if you can't maybe somebody listening can in terms of the performers clearly they cannot stand six feet away from each other are they getting tested are they are they quarantining together like how are they being safe about that to the extent that they can, like I can tell you that there were a few performers who were not, uh, who didn't perform at WrestleMania uh-huh. because of. So you have you had one uh, one person who showed up at because they've been filming everything out of their performance center in Florida. You have one one wrestler who showed up and he uh, was just sick, like had like a cold or had sniffles or or something, and they turned. They turned him away and were like, yeah, no, you're not coming back here. Uh, another performer who was slated to be in in one of the main events because they ended up splitting into two nights. Um, but one of the guys who was supposed – I mean he was supposed to have a, a big, big title win. But this is a guy who's also been through two bouts of leukemia, fighting Ooh. leukemia. So he's, he's immunocompromised and he sat it out because he's just like, there's no – I can't be – like I really can't protect myself. I, I'm in I'm in a much more compromised position than everybody else. So you have people, and fortunately, he, this guy's in a position where, yeah, he's still he's not going to lose a big payday, or you know, he, it's not going to hurt him uh-huh. to to miss out on that. But yeah, I I think a lot what a lot of what there there's a lot of. You know, a lot of people aren't happy about it. There's a lot of guys who have kind of called for it, but also it's not. There are other companies that are continuing to do shows. It's not just WWE. Uh-huh. Uh, it's AEW, uh, which airs on TNT. And yeah, in terms of the safety, they're having. There's less matches. <laughs> uh huh. Yeah. You have a lot more like pre-taped interviews and things like that. But yeah, I mean, it's not. Should it be happening? I mean, that's it's. Maybe not for me to say. I'm not Whole the one calling the, the shots. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, back to back to major league. But yeah, that's what that's what that's what I was thinking. And just kind of like at the end of the at the end of the movie, I'm thinking like, man, it, it, this really does. Despite the the because the the stuff that you're pointing out, like it, that as as being racist, other than the the character of Serrano. The things like Cleveland Indians, Atlanta right. Braves, Washington Redskins yeah. are not – this is not the doing of David S. Ward. No, no, no. <laughs> and Major League. Right. So Absolutely. The themes though, the themes of this movie of redemption and not just redemption for one character, it's, not just redemption for several yeah. characters. It's a great it holds up. underdog story. It's just like corruption. a really fun – yeah. I mean, Absolutely. beating, like, defeating corruption? I mean, well, damn, what's not relevant about that? I mean, also, if you think about it, it's, in a lot of ways, the same plot of, like, several Police Academy movies. Oh, <laughs> you know? well, let's not, <laughs> let's, I'm just, hold on, I'm not going to turn down that road because there's no turning back uh, right okay, now on Police Academy. The only thing I'm saying is that 
in the first one and in the fourth one, you have the police academy and the third one and the third one. That's right. There's the the plan by one person to try to set them up to fail mm-hmm. so that the programs go away. In the first one, it's to recruit people who are in legal jeopardy to redeem themselves through the system. In the fourth one, of course, it's the Citizens on Patrol program that Captain Harris is trying to have fail. John, we can't start talking about police academy. I'm just saying it's a formula that works, and I'm here for it. Speaking of the bad news bears, by the way, the the other bad news bears, all the bad news bears movies, yeah. I mean, similarly. But, um, yeah, I think it really holds up. Uh, holds up really well, it's and it was lot of fun, fun to see some baseball. Yeah. So Major League Two, 1994, uh, also directed by David S. Ward. The gang is back for another season, but this time the team is owned by former player Roger Dorn. But not to worry, the team has some new additions. Hayseed catcher Rube Baker and Jack Parkman, a mean all-star who gets traded to the Yankees to Dorn's money troubles, but it's not a fully cash trade. They also get Hiroshi Kamikaze Tanaka, I said Kamikaze in quotes, a wild outfielder straight from Japan. Other changes from last season involve Serrano's move to Buddhism, Rick Vaughn going corporate, Roger Taylor acts as a manager, and Willie Mays Hayes is suddenly Omar Epps and is also acting in bad action movies with Jesse the Body Ventura. When Dorn is in a complete financial trouble, he sells the team at a major loss back to Rachel Phelps, who wants nothing more than for them to fail. It's very light on plot. It's just kind of a little bit more of the same. Let's start with that this movie came out five years after the original, and it's supposed to be next season. This is not even a full year later. Absolutely. It is six months. So uh, we have David Keith as Jack Parkman, uh, Takai Ishibashi as Tanaka, Eric Burkotter, uh, sorry, Bruscotter as Rube Baker, Indiana Jones in The Last Crusades, Allison Duty as Rebecca Flannery, Rick's agent and girlfriend. Michelle Burke is Nikki Reese, uh, Rick's ex who he's trying to get back together with. You might re- re- remember her from Dazed and Confused or Coneheads. Uh, I think she's delightful. She's great. Uh, yes. And Randy Quaid is Johnny, a big-time Indians fan who is let down by his team all the way until the very end when Vaughn takes the field with the signature haircut, glasses, and leather jacket with the sleeves ripped off. Randy Quaid and Bob Euchre in this one, to me, really make this movie. Oh, Wild thing, you make my butt stink. It's so good. He's a perfect, angry, anti-fan. It's so good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's delightful. Um, He's great. He, he is. This movie, though, I mean, talk about stereotypes and just weird, like, we're just going to, like, the weird feud between... Tanaka um, and Serrano? Yeah. Yep. Be- right. It's just like, we're going to, hey, he's foreign, he's foreign. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the whole Tanaka character is dicey and i mean i understand that takai ishibashi you know 
performed things a certain way willingly. I think that just, I don't know. I, you can't didn't force, write it. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a funny character. I, it's for the wrong reasons. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's, uh, whereas in the original major league, you can kind of, you can take the things like Serrano's character and say, okay, well, this is a bit of a farce and this is an exaggeration and it's 1989 yeah. and, and everything else around it is, is pretty strong. Right. And it major league two, it's just like, all the air has been let out of it. Yeah, I mean, there's some good jokes and there are some things about it that stick out to me and that I think about to this day. I think that the first time I ever heard of bail bonds was from this movie because Dorn rents out like the back of the stadium for like really cheap advertising. And one of them is a oh. bail bonds. Co- you know, it's that's just one of the oh. gags in it. So I don't know. There's just some. And I think that it's a lot of the. Bob Euchre jokes that yes, Bob, uh, oh, Bob Euchre's magnificent when yeah. he's too drunk to do anything. <laughs> is and that, he passes that it off. It's right? like, and here's this guy. Like he never bothers to learn the guy's name. Yeah, and then he's yeah. just like hit, catch. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Omar no, Epps replacing and, Wesley Snipes yeah. is uh, <sighs> kind of just like, what do you do? How do you how do you just let that happen? Would it not have been realistic to just say Willie Mays Hayes got traded, or were they already like, nope, he's in the script? Yeah, I <laughs> guess I don't know. I, I mean, Omar Epps does what, a fine. Omar Epps does a totally fine job. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. not a no, problem it's with nothing Omar against Epps. Omar Epps. Yeah. But it's the movie's Wesley Snipes decision. was so good. Wesley Snipes. Was yeah. Wesley Snipes. In 1989. I'm trying to remember, like, what was Wesley Snipes doing in 1994 that he couldn't do Major League Two? Or, you like, know what? I felt 94. like I read uh, the reason why that happened. Um, I can see if I can find that really quick. Um, I mean, he was pretty busy. Well, Money yeah. Money Train? 1994? Yeah, let's actually, let's just see what Wesley Money Snipes Train was 95, I think. Yeah. In 1994. Okay, so 93 was Demolition Man. Um, oh yeah, yeah. Uh, I have been saying be well to everybody, and I have been signing off emails with be well, and it feels so awesome. I uh, ninety four was Drop Zone, the, the Demolition Man mm. video game, and then in ninety five was Tu Wong Fu and Money Train and Waiting to Exhale. Um, right. So, I mean, ninety four was, I mean, for Wesley Snipes at that time. Uh, not as busy of a year. No. 92 is past 57. Wait, men can't yeah. jump. Oh, I think I did read somewhere that 91 he, was New Jack City. Wait, I think I read somewhere that he couldn't do it because he was filming White Man Can't Jump. So I wonder if Major League Two was filmed and just got kind of held back a while. Yeah, that would make sense. Yeah. That would make sense. Okay. I, I think I read that somewhere. So I, I have to say I really enjoy Rube Baker. I think that's a really fun character. The total yeah. dumb hayseed. And he's the one that gets the team to snap out of their funk. And because, I mean, the it culminates ultimately with them getting into a fist fight with each other and the whole team getting thrown out. 
in the first game of a doubleheader. And then in between games, Rube Baker, who like injured his foot or ankle or something, gives them this huge pep talk about like how amazing it is that they're even there. And that encourages them to get back into it. And they all start performing that was really well. I liked that, that was a lot. nice moment. That was yeah. a really nice moment. I thought that Rube Baker was awesome. So Rube Baker, uh, he is a catcher. And at this point, Jake Taylor becomes the coach because of the way that he helps Rube Baker with his problem, which is throwing the ball back to the pitcher's mound, which he's unable to do. But he notices that Rube Baker likes to read Playboy for the articles. So in order to not think about how he's going to throw the ball, the crowd behind him, like all of the things that get into his head, he makes him recall information about the playmates and then he's able he has to him, throw the ball back to the pitcher's mound and doesn't he, he has him read like the victoria's secret the, catalog it's the fredericks of hollywood oh uh, right that's in the last right. game against the i want to say white Sox. no the yankees it was the yankees the yankees the white Sox yeah. is the first one which uh jack parkman was traded to uh and he is just like mean asshole he was like the best player on the he team smoked cigarettes. He had a little like shimmy that drove the women wild when he would like get oh, up to yeah. the plate. Uh, he was, he was just like a Johnny total Damon, ass. and he, he kind of reminded me of Johnny Damon. John, yeah, totally. Uh, and talking about Rick Wild Thing Vaughn, the former hotshot, he completely lost his edge, like we were saying, and he. Um, He's been doing a lot of endorsements and he cleaned up his act and he's just trying to become this, you know, different person because of Allison Duty's character. Uh, and man, it's you see her in this and in Last Crusade and it's just like, uh, I just want to tell the person, like, get away from them. Don't trust Don't her. trust Don't trust anyone. Remember what I told you, Mr. Vaughn. Don't <laughs> trust anyone. Exactly. So, um, yeah, and Rick Vaughn that also made grows it out all his worth haircut. It. That, that would have made it all worth it if, like, that guy walked. Was it Julian, Julian Glover, I think? Uh, if, if he, like, walked out. <laughs> That'd be really funny. <laughs> into the apartment. Yeah. Great. So, uh, yeah, and it's um, the ex-girlfriend, uh, Michelle, who is the teacher and I guess like she has this group of kids who are underprivileged. Uh, they're they're kids kids who have gotten into trouble and she somehow is with them all the time. Well, I couldn't tell if they were, if it was like not, I don't want to say an orphanage, but like a a home for kids who maybe have been displaced or Could removed be. from from the home because yeah. they seemed to live there. Yeah, that's true. So she's trying to help these kids. One of them in particular, uh, Rick Wilding Vaughn is his total idol. So they're with the, they're, he pops up all the time and like, Imagine if when you were 11 and like the biggest celebrity to you, let's say like Jeff Goldblum was dating your teacher that you were with all the time and it was just like accessible to you at all times. I'm just tossing out a name. God, we would have the best conversations. <laughs> yeah, but like he seems totally jaded by him. Like 
yes, uh, oh, he's yeah. lost his edge and he's not the Rick Vaughn that the kids thought that he was going to be. But like they're with him all the time. Yeah, but I feel like a lot of baseball movies have that. Yeah, it's kind of a cliche or a trope hit, of baseball movies where there's me, Ricky. Well, I mean, yeah, it's the kid yeah. in the in the hospital. Babe Ruth, you know, calls the home runs yeah. and uh, it eight men out. There's the kids who always actually it's Charlie Sheen's character yeah. in that that I think always runs into the like the neighborhood kids or is it, no, it's John Cusack's character. Mm. Who like runs into the neighborhood kids and they're like, hey, you know, oh, you guys going to go all the way this year? And he's like, yeah, there's a pennant in our future. <laughs> if we don't throw it. Yeah. <laughs> if we don't throw the game. So, Eight Men Out is an awesome baseball movie. It's really good. Way. I haven't seen it in a long time. It's really good. Um, so good. So, yeah, Rick Vaughn, uh, I don't know. It, the way that Charlie Sheen plays him is just very dull. And even when he does come back at the end and he puts on his glasses, which, by the way, I just want to put a mental image in your head right now. Rick Vaughn with a pair of black horn-rimmed glasses and a hot glue gun at home, putting on the little like skull and crossbones and like putting a decal <laughs> on of a lightning bolt, like doing arts and crafts night at home, getting his glasses bedazzled. Because it had, I mean, that had to have happened in order for his character to have had that item. You don't buy it that way. I mean, I I have a pair of sunglasses with skull and crossbones on them. I didn't hot glue them on or anything. Dan, the pair of glasses that he has, has a skull and crossbones right on the bridge. It is clearly a custom job. Oh, John, clearly you have not been to Hot Topic recently. Hot Topic did not exist in 1989, (laughs) to my knowledge. Didn't it? No, to my knowledge. I, I don't know. I'm sure I probably did. Yeah. All right. So, well then picture anyway, but... then picture this, if you will. <laughs> Rick Wild thing Vaughn going to the mall and walking into a hot topic. <laughs> He's like look going through like Jack Skellington hoodies, just trying to find like the right thing to wear to the game. Um so when I was mentioning Randy Quaid's character, you kinda like winced a little bit. Like you didn't uh. you weren't so into it. Uh, I I think because I felt that Randy Quaid after National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation just got hired to do like flailing loud Randy Quaid. He's good at it. He is good right. at it. I but it, it wasn't until I think Kingpin that I I think he really uh Kingpin's he did something that so was like good funny like randy quaid and kingpin is hilarious but i'm trying to think of a randy quaid performance between christmas vacation and kingpin that wasn't just like kind of trying to replicate some of the energy what year he was brought. kingpin 96 96 uh i mean his role in independence day was a little that was 96 yeah it was 96 so like, but it was kind of borderline. Like this guy's kind of crazy, but it wasn't just like comical. No, like, no, there was more nuance. Like he was, he wasn't a Vietnam vet. Yeah, like and... there was a reason why he was that way. I mean, but the thing yeah. is, like, crazy sports fanatics, like 
they're they're Randy Quaid types. Like it it's made less sense. the character, more yeah, yeah. I know, but it, I I just it felt like I think that Randy Quaid in the role maybe took me out of it. Oh a yeah, bit. see, I, I liked it. And I, I just know. it just made me want to watch Christmas Vacation and see him as like yeah. cousin Eddie. You can. It's not going anywhere. No, I know. Yeah. Uh, now, Major League Back to the Minors is the third movie. Uh, it seems like anybody involved with Major League kind of wants to erase it from history, pretty much. Uh, and we'll get it to that. It is not considered canon. Yeah. Well, so it. I think like Serrano is back in it. Um, I th- uh, is Scott Bakula in it? Scott Bakula is in it. Scott Bakula is in it. I I'm trying to think. I'm pretty sure Corbin Burnson is also in it. Yeah, Scott Bakula, Corbin Burnson, Dennis Haysbert is back. Uh, we've got uh, Tanaka, Rube, Walton Goggins as Billy Downtown Anderson, an early Walton Goggins role. Early Walton Goggins. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. So uh, I guess it's canon. <laughs> yeah. So this one came out in '98. Uh, not directed by David S. Ward. This one's directed by John Warren, um, who also did The Girl in the Cattle. Uh, no, wrote The Girl in the Cadillac and Flash Fight. Like, eh, don't bother uh, looking him up. Not much, but wrote and directed Major League Back to the Minors. Um, there's really pr- not much for us to really say about it. I mean, I'll read just the. Description of the synopsis on IMDb. Um, Gus Cantrell, which is Scott Bakula's character, turns his team from a laughing stock into the equivalent of blue chip stocks in this third major league comedy that reunites five series returnees, including wisecracking play by play man Bob Euchre. Oh, Bob Euchre's in it. Why is Bob Euchre announcing for a minor league team? Eh, what else was he doing? Uh, I don't know. I guess. Back, uh, Mr. Belvedere was done. Just wanted to hang out. Why is Mr. Belvedere? Why is Mr. Belvedere not available on any streaming services? I don't know, but I don't expect you to know this, John. I don't know why. I asked as though you did. There's that factor, the fact that I wouldn't (laughs) know. But I mean, the only thing I can ever think of about Mr. Belvedere is the story about how they had to cancel production for a day because he sat on his balls. You never, you never heard I never this heard before? that story. One day when they were shooting, he sat down and his balls Mr. were positioned in a weird place. And Mr. Belvedere? Yeah. Or Bob Eucher. Okay. Mr. Oh. Belvedere. And uh, Christopher Hewitt. Christopher Hewitt sat on his balls in a way that was wildly painful. And they had to cancel production for a day. <laughs> That's like all I think about when Mr. Belvedere I comes up. I am so glad I asked that question just so I could hear. <laughs> so it. maybe I, just, I I think of the theme song. <laughs> it's a great theme song. Streaks on the china never mattered before. <laughs> That's one of those theme songs that Who like cared? doesn't apply at all. To... Drop kick your jacket. It's so as weird. You came through the door. No so, one can. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> so I've got a few things that uh, were on the Wikipedia page for, I think, Major League Two. Um, so David S. Ward announced in 2010 that he was working on a new film, which he called Major League Three, and hoped to cast the original stars, Charlie Sheen, Wesley Snipes, and Tom Berenger. The plot would see Sheen's character, 
Ricky Wild Thing Vaughn coming out of retirement to work with a young player. The film is being seen as the third film in the series, despite the fact that a third film, Major League Back to the Minors, was released in 1998. Um, let's see. Did did Major League three did did Back to the Minors was that released in theaters or was that like a straight to I DVD? think it was straight to video. Yeah, I, I think so. Yeah. Uh, on April 6, 2011, in Cleveland, Ohio, Charlie Sheen, during his Violent Torpedoes of Truth tour, announced to the audience that he was working on a third sequel titled Major League Three and said, we are going to shoot it right here in Cleveland. He opened the show wearing a Rick Vaughn number 99 Cleveland Indians jersey. And then in. So this is interesting. So this is 2017. Uh Morgan Creek, the production company, announced plans to reboot their classic films from the 80s and 90s as either television series or movies following the success of the Exorcist television series. Several films in the early stages of development include film series Young Guns, Major League, and Ace Ventura. I haven't heard anything about that since. I thought that I had heard something about Ace Ventura, about something being done with that, but I had not heard anything about uh, young guns, I, I really didn't see anything uh, uh, about anything happening with it. But I mean, I don't know, John. What What are your thoughts? What would you? So you've got the ball. Run with it. Yeah. So I would want to do a remake. Um, the The thing is, like, this is where the definition between remake and reboot kind of toes the line because a reboot of Major League could be considered to be like any other sports underdog movie. Because if the thing that makes Major League Major League is Major League Baseball, once you start calling it something else, then it becomes just a completely different franchise, really. Um, becomes back to the minors. It be, Sure. So, it, yeah, exactly. So a, a remake... I think would be really good. The same story. It works. You know, it's somebody who inherits a team and wants to kind of gut it and like do what, you know, have their way with it so they can get out of whatever city they're in. Here's the thing is that I would want it to not be in Cleveland to remove the Indians, uh, you know, that overlying like dark cloud of racism that comes along mm -hmm. with a team called the Indians. And my thought was actually like, why not put it in Seattle? Make it the Mariners. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah totally. So the Mariners. Yeah, no, the Mariners are like they they do not have a reputation for being a winning team. And in back in the 90s when they had like Ken Griffey Jr., I remember like being like, yeah. hey, the Mariners, because they've got like this star player. Um I don't know if they were good aside from him, but you could yeah. very easily re remake Major League and set it in Seattle and very believe I mean it rains ha half of the year yeah. here. So and and that is pretty much like um well it's not baseball season. It's actually nice during most of baseball season, but it, it makes anyway, it makes perfect sense to set it uh -huh. in Seattle. 
And I, I, I mean, I think it's funny because you think about Major League and Cleveland and it's like the, there's that opening, the opening credits of Major League where they show that the city is kind of a, you know, it's not this lively, bustling city. Right. It's just kind of like run down. And it's it's like you equate the fortunes of the sports team with the fortunes of the city. Yeah. Well, and just thinking about right now, it's like I I would say that a city like Cleveland and a city like Seattle are in similar territories where it's like, you know, they're they're not the most popular cities, but they're <laughs> also not like thought to be, you know, dumps. Right. They certainly have their industrial, uh, I don't know, areas, but what cities don't? Well, and I mean, yeah, no, Seattle. I mean, and Seattle is also a big tech hub. Yeah, and I, yeah, no, there's a lot. I would, yeah. you know, I I would suggest that, that yeah, there's a good amount going on here, but it's also the type of city that you could easily portray in that vibe, uh, where someone, especially someone who's like a wealthy conservative, yeah, would want to get out of because Seattle is not the most conservative city in the world. Yeah. So there's tons, there's protests for everything all the time. Yeah. So, so, uh, I've got a cast, uh, just straight replacements for a lot of the characters. Um, I would have our Jake Taylor character, the guy who's towards the end of his career. He's a catcher with bum knees, Paul Rudd. I could totally see Paul Rudd doing that kind of role. Very likable. But just like over it. And, you know, we'll have some sort of emotional romantic storyline because he's still believable as somebody who would have that. For Rick Vaughn, I'd do Donald Glover. He's great. Who doesn't like Donald Glover? Uh, For Dorn, I would do Bradley Cooper. Oh, my God. That's mm-hmm. perfect. Yeah. Uh would you still call them the same but would you oh, would you the, rename the, the names to be or? different and that and that's where this next one also uh gets a, into a little bit of a gray area which is Willie Mays Hayes. I uh, I was actually thinking Adam Divine for that. <laughs> He's so good at uh, playing like cocky and just like very arrogant and um, you know confident but maybe shouldn't be but Maybe he well, is good I mean, at what he does. Willie Mays Hayes is a damn fast runner. Wesley Snipes, not so much because right. they had to. That's why they have like the slow motion All of him slow. running in the pajamas. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so I, I think in, if Adam Devine got into shape where you would like buy him as that athletic, yeah. as, as an athlete, yeah, I could totally see him yeah. like character wise. So I would, I would actually lose Serrano and, but I would. I would actually keep Rube Baker. I think that the Rube Baker character is is way too interesting to not include. And I'd have that be Paul Walter Hauser, who was in I, Tanya and in, he was the leader in Richard Jewell. He was Richard Jewell. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. Did you see I, Tanya? That's what I'm really thinking yes. about. So like... He's can, he's the uh, the secure isn't he like the the um, he's the oh, like bigger God. guy um, yeah I forget what his doesn't who he he's like he's like kind of like the faux security he's the conspirator and... yeah yeah oh wait are you he's talking great. about Richard Jewell or 
No, uh, I'm because t- Richard Jewell, he's a security guy. <laughs> no, no, no. I yeah. meant like, doesn't he? Doesn't yeah? He's the conspiracy guy in yeah in Itania. Yeah, no, no, no. I didn't see Richard yeah. Jewell. So you're fine. I know <laughs> it's not good. Um, not on my list. Yeah. So the yeah. Harry Doyle character, Will Arnett. Oh, great. Yeah, great. And the Rachel Phelps character, or whoever it would be, Gina Davis. Gina Davis, back in in the baseball movie, you know, I, mm. yeah. Mm. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking about the, the Taylor casting, and the one thing about Paul Rudd, and I love Paul Rudd, but it's almost like, does he play it old? I know he technically is old enough, but... Yeah. Does he play as like that? I mean, I guess well, he can. I mean, yeah, you know. You know, Tom Berenger wasn't like old. No, but he seemed, he 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 felt, I mean, Paul everybody Rudd could totally. Everybody in 1989, Paul Rudd. everybody in 1989 seemed older than they actually were. Yeah, that's that's true. Yeah. That's true. Uh, yeah, no, I, yeah, no, I, to, I totally see it. I, I see it. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, and you know, it wouldn't be just like a shot for shot remake of the original is certainly you would be adding in things that are more relevant to the time if it is in seattle perhaps like the stadium has is called something different each game because a different you know it keeps on getting sold off you know to different tech companies and seattle yeah it was it's amazon stadium one week and then it's microsoft stadium and but each 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 time it like goes down a tier, but then as they get better, it gets back up to Amazon. Sub pop stadium. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or a dispensary. A dispens- oh, totally. <laughs> um, That's when they're so, at their worst. Well, and what I, you know, I was, cause I was, I was kind of tossing around the, the remake, you know, what would yeah. you do? And I was like, maybe, and I was also thinking, well, you'd replace the Serrano character, but would you bring in like someone who's kind of like new agey, and especially <laughs> if it's in the Pacific Northwest? <laughs> I, you know what? I, personally, I, I wouldn't do something like that because, you know, it's a category of people that get, that's easy to mock. And uh, it almost just seems like, I don't know, cheap shots. Yes. Yes. Fair enough. Fair yeah. enough. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I mean, what were your thoughts about, well, about all this? Well, honestly, man, I would love to see a sequel. Okay. Where, yep, Major League Hall of Fame. Ooh. And it's Willie Mays Hayes is getting in, inducted into the Hall of Fame. Just because I was thinking, like, age-wise, like, what's the... One of them is getting inducted in the Hall of Fame. I was thinking Willie Hayes Mays made sense. But then, so you have them attending the Hall of Fame state, the Hall of Fame ceremony, and let's say... Uh, oh, okay, let's say this were to come out in, like, 2024. It's, oh, it's the 35th anniversary of the, you know, the 89 Indians. Uh-huh. And... You know, you bring you bring back the cast, but then you also have players from other teams, which is where we we've got a little crossover because I'm like, that's where you cast all your great people, like everyone from baseball movies. Like that's where huh. you bring get Gina Davis, call Lori Petty. Uh, Wait a second, get Madonna. Hold on a second, get Kevin Costner. Wait, hold on, getting Gina Davis and Lori Petty 
is a little different because in 1994 or whatever, or 1989, like at that era, they were like already 70. Well, I'm not saying get them as their characters. I'm just saying get them, but they're playing other characters. They're not playing. Um, oh, oh, okay. I'm sorry. I thought that you like actually Madonna's meant... not playing all the way. May Madonna is playing right, like a skeleton. Like, well, it's kind. Of, it's kind of like think about that. Madonna is playing a skeleton. <laughs> yeah, she's um, a you know reanimated uh, skeleton of her. Uh... No, but I'm. No, but I'm thinking like, what if you have a character? Who, let's say the the commissioner is played by Robert Redford. Uh huh. Let's. What What if Kevin Costner? So you're just is playing talking about bringing in it. actors who were in movies. Basically, getting See, actors and when you first said but, it, I was thinking that you were talking about getting like I don't know, uh, Daniel Stern from uh, Rookie of the Year. Rookie. Of, no, but I have Thomas Ian Nichols on my list. Thomas Ian Nichols, <laughs> right? But I thought that you meant like playing their characters. No, 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 Although, no, no, no. Thomas Ian Nichols would be his character at that. Yeah, he would make sense. But yeah, no, no, no. We're not going to bring in John Cusack from Eight Men Out to play a character that's like 200 years old. Right. But like, you know, Kevin Costner's done a thousand baseball movies. Bring him in. Bring it. Get one John Goodman from the Sandlot. Get some of the kids from the Sandlot. Bring it like fucking Susan Sarandon, Thelma and Louise, baseball, everything all together. Whoa. I mean, that's what I'm talking about, John. Hall of Fame. Okay, okay. So Major League Hall of Fame, it's a com- comedic extravaganza. So, okay, so this takes place in Cooperstown, New York. So, yes. uh, does this mean that there's going to be a scene involving a bunch of Corvettes from the nearby Corvette Museum, which I know about <laughs> from when I took a childhood trip to Cooperstown and of course made a stop at the Corvette Museum? We all went on that. We were all on that trip. I don't think we all went to the Corvette Museum. I certainly did. There was definitely a big deal made of Death Race 2000. Wait, no, we did all go to the Corvette Museum. (laughs) And and Corvette Summer. Death Race 2000 and Corvette Summer. Corvette Summer. Yes. That's right. And and, was it Annie Potts with him in that? Or was that... uh... Uh, It might have been. I don't remember. Anyway, that sounds about right. Potts. Love Annie yeah. Potts. Oh, we'll go with it. Yeah. We'll go with it. Annie Potts is awesome. Um, but yeah, no, I was I was just thinking, I was like, wouldn't it be fun to because who does that with baseball movies? And it's it's kind of like, you know, the Expendables has done that with action movies. Uh-huh. And but I'm like, who would do that? You know, it's like, let's do that. We get a Tom Hanks cameo in there. Yeah. And be, oh, yeah, because he was in a just just like you put Gina Davis in right. your major league remake. Sure. She's in sure my major it. league, my major league three, my major league yeah. hall of fame, major league hall of fame. So yeah, what happens while they're there? Wacky hijinks ensue. Oh, okay. Good. No, Wacky I hijinks. mean, yeah, I, I, I really, I kind of came up just. It was just the concept that I was like, this would be a fun concept. If you get some talented writers, people who have a passion for, you know, who are fans of the film and have a passion for for baseball get them working on it and you know just kind of like put the i'm i'm thinking like you could you can reintroduce old old rivalries and old relationships but then also you know establish some new ones like maybe the coster character and the Beringer character 
um, ha- like, you know, were feuding for, uh, you know, their, their first position or something. And that comes back. I don't know. Maybe it's like, instead of it being centered around baseball games, it's centered around baseball challenges. Like, they get each one gets challenged to like a, a stolen base competition for William A. Hayes. Oh no, wait, or a home run derby. You know, there's got to be there's got to be like there like a Hall of Fame kind of like an old timers game, right? And this is where I feel like you'd kind of see the Thomas Ian Nichols character on like the you know kind of the younger Hall of you'd have the younger Hall of Famers versus the older Hall of Famers. I don't know. You could work something like that out. Sure. Hey, Why not? I'd watch it. I wouldn't watch Back to the Miners, but I'd watch that. Yeah, Major League Hall of Fame. Bring, bring, bring them back. And yeah, has there been a a good baseball movie in a while? I can't think of anything. I really if you think of anything, I mean, yeah, we can money, look this up. Moneyball. Moneyball was good. I did like Moneyball, but that was already like not as much for the that was two thousand eleven, two thousand twelve. Yeah, but and that also that wasn't it, Moneyball. It was less about the it baseball. It wasn't as much about, about yeah the business, but it was still a yeah. baseball movie. And it's funny because uh, in that movie, uh, that movie's got Chris Pratt in it, and I was even thinking about him because he plays kind of like a Rube oh, Baker yeah. type character in that. Yeah, and uh, oh, what, um, forty two, forty two, the Jackie Robinson sure. story. Yeah, yeah. That that would be, I guess, the last. Yeah, I mean, Fever Fever Pitch was that I mean, was two thousand four. Yeah, yeah, the rookie. That was also that was early two thousands. Yeah, there really the hasn't good. been. The rookie's a good Dennis Quaid man. Bring, yeah, get Dennis Quaid in the Major League Hall of Fame. Yeah, uh, the Scout. That was another good one that you could uh, get in there. Get Brendan oh, yeah. Fraser back. Yeah, Albert Brooks. Albert Brooks. Diane Weist. Right. She's the therapist. Yeah. 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 Uh I no, there hasn't been I know I I mean I'm I'm thinking of I'm trying to think of like series. Yeah, I mean there was the bad Any news series about remake baseball? in the two thousands. Um Yeah, that was like mid two thousands yeah. with Billy Bob Thornton. Not not great. If anybody listening uh, can think of a, a a good baseball movie that's come out recently that because we're just not going to Google it. Email us, Ruin Sorry, John's only speaking for himself there. I act, I, I just Googled it. Oh, you it. did Google it. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Ruinchildhoodspot at gmail.com. If you have any ideas for a new life for Major League, email us. Uh, and also just check out our Instagram comments and our Instagram posts. Uh, that's another good way of getting in touch with us. Um, Dan, is there anything you want to add about the Major League movies? No, no, n- nothing. We have. They're a damn thoroughly. good time. The first, the first two are a damn good time. Even the, the first second one, one, yeah. The second one has its moments. It does have its moments, and I, I will agree. Rube Baker, quite a character. I, I keep almost calling him Rube Goldberg. Rube Goldberg, yeah. I need to stop. Myself. No, Rube is awesome, and I, yeah. I mean, I have to give credit to Eric Bruck, uh, Bruscotter. I can never say his last name. 
does an awesome job. He's great. <laughs> like but, you, you say, I can never say his last name as though you need to say it frequently. Every time on this trouble. episode, I've tried to say it. I've botched it. So every time I've literally yes. ever said his name, I've botched it. But he's Fact. great. He was in. Yeah. Um, he was interesting. He was in some pretty good stuff. He I was in think- the fan, which is not good. That was also with Wesley Snipes. Oh yeah. That's the right. Fan. Tony Scott's The Fan, which I remember most for one shot that was upside down. There was like an upside down shot and like it's pouring rain and oh, that movie was just oh, bad. Oh my God. Wesley Snipes and Robert De Niro and Rube Baker. Yeah. So he was also in Crimson Tide, uh, Starship Troopers. He was Breckenridge in Starship Troopers, uh, Dragon, the Bruce Lee story. Um oh. Let's see. Actor currently filming. He's in Nuns with Guns. He was on. He did a few episodes of Glee. Uh, Franklin and Bash, Law and Order, things like that. He's in Twenty Four. Uh, also, another Dennis Haysbert vehicle. Oh yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, President David Palmer, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, yeah. He did a few episodes yeah. of Quantum Leap as different characters. In one of them, he was Glenn, and one he was Red. In another, he was Bo. Just saying. Maybe he was Quantum Leaping as well. That could that could very well be. Yeah, Quantum Leap. So back to the miners. Yeah. So, John, do you have anything? Any any final words on? I'm, on Major I'm League? good. I'm good. Dan, why don't you tell us about our next episode? Okay, well, our next episode, we are going, we're going a little noir on this one. We're going back to the 70s. Robert Altman's The Long Goodbye. Oh, yeah. I'm excited to talk <laughs> about it. It's currently I'm streaming ve- on I'm very one of excited. the streaming services. Um, also, check out Hoopla or Canopy if you have a uh, a library that's in their system, which is very likely. And uh, I Dan says that it's been on there, but I know it's on one of the other yes. more premium uh, streaming services as of just the other day. So it's wild. I'm excited to talk about it. Looking forward to watching it. Uh, I've never seen it, but it's always been in, on my list. I'm a Robert Altman fan. Yeah. So yeah. Excited to, to cross it off the list there, John. All so right. on that note, I bid you a good journey. Good journey. Spots got the hippest groove where all the real gone daddies move. Dig that sweet Cuyahoga glow. It smells so good. Cleveland. Where the jet sets swing with heifer cats. Shop at Higby's, then we'll hit the flats. Excuse me, are you a model? Uh, no. Oh, you are so skinny. You really should eat something. <laughs> I say Cleveland. Hello. Yeah. New York and Paris just don't have the sights you see on Euclid Ave. Would you like to pet a real police horse? Chef Boyardee was born here, you know. (laughs) Terminal Tower soars up in the sky. Over 50 groovy stories high. Ladies first. (laughs) I say. Two hot dogs, a pretzel with extra melted cheese in it. Hiya. Miss Lemon, this is Kenneth, the NBC page in New York City. I hate to bother you out west, but Tracy Jordan hasn't come to work. Kenneth, don't be so New York uptight. I'm sure he'll show up. 
Look over there, I think I see a movie star. Even movie stars, they come to Cleveland to get away. Tracy Jordan, you got